All right. Well, hey, good morning. We're so excited you're here today as we are. We are in week two of our series entitled Margin. And what we're really doing is we're jumping in and we're talking about the importance of margin in our lives. We're talking about the importance of some breathing room in our lives. So last week we started off this series and we really started off by defining what margin is. And we define margin as the, the space between our current pace and our breaking point. Right? The, the space between our current pace and our breaking point. And the truth is we all have a breaking point. We all have a place where, where we go off the edge, where we, where we go to the limit and where, really where we can take no more. And when we get to that breaking point, this is where bad things kind of happen. Right? This is where things happen where, where we regret, right? This is where really where, where sin even lives. And the truth is God doesn't want us to live near that breaking point. God doesn't want us to live near that edge. God's created us in a way where we can live with margin. God's created us in a way so that we can experience his grace and his mercy. And we experience that in the breathing room in our life. We experience that in the margin in our life. And how we keep margin in our life, what we learned last week, is we focus in on who he is. And we go to really what Jesus told us in Matthew 6, 33, which states this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Love others and love God. When we stay focused, when we stay looking to do those things, then we remain focused in on him. We remain in line and we have margin in our life. We have room to breathe. We have a room where we can experience his grace and his mercy. And that's what he wants us to experience. And this is what this series is all about. Again, margin is the space between our current pace and our break. So as we jump in, let's think about it. Do you have margin in your life? Do you have breathing room in your life? Are you living right on the edge? Are you pushing it past your limits? Are you out of the lines even? And are you even out of the line? Really, for the next few weeks, these are the questions that I want us to ask ourselves. All right, these are the questions I want us to ask as we live because these questions make the difference. These questions make the difference in how we experience who God is and what God wants for us. Are we lined up with what he's doing? Are we living in a way? We need to ask ourselves this question because it makes the difference. And think about it this way. How many of you guys have ever had a car that's uh, got out of an alignment before, right? Anybody, anybody having a car before? All right. We've all probably experienced that. In fact, a couple months ago, I experienced this, and I really actually know nothing about cars. So a few months ago, I experienced this, though. I drive a 14-year-old 2004 F-150. It's like my dream truck. It's sweet, but I will tell you this. It drives a little rough. Like, it's not the smoothest driving truck that there is. Um, so a few months back, I was driving, and then there's something really wrong with it, though. It was driving, like, way rougher than normal. So there's some things going on. It was shimmying. It was shaking. It was doing all sorts of things. Something like, dude, this is not good. This is not good. I got to make this thing last to 300,000 miles, at least five more years, right? That's what I'm going for. I have a goal for it. So I'm thinking, I got to make this last. So I was doing this. I'm like, this isn't good. So I get off and then when I get to the side of the road, when I get to my place, I, I stop and then I do really what any man does to thinks that he's looking at a car that doesn't know anything about cars. I open the hood. Clearly, like, that's not working. That's not what it's about. But I open the hood. I look in. And for me, when I look in the hood and there's no fire or smoke, like, that's a good sign. So I'm like, sweet. No fire or smoke. Everything under the hood's probably okay, right? So next thing, I look under it. So I look under the truck and, like, again, nothing dragging, nothing scraping, nothing falling down, nothing hanging low. Something like, hey, we're good to go. Like, all right. And then I finally look at the tires. Something like, uh oh. These tires are warped, right? These things are just completely worn out. And they're like, they're, they just look completely gnarled up. They're just messed up. So 
I look at them like, that's not good. I need to get new tires. And I'm thinking, like, I just got new tires. Like, these tires were literally probably, like, a year and a half to two years old, something like that. Clearly, my knowledge, that means that there's an alignment problem. So I take it in, and I know I have to get it aligned. I'm not going to put four brand new tires on it and just to have it do it again. So I take it in, and I get there, and they say, yeah, you need new tires. You need an alignment. And the truth is, wherever you got your tires before, they gave you the wrong tires. Like, the tires were too narrow. So clearly, the place I went to before, I want to name the shop, but the place I went to before saw me, and they're like, this dude knows nothing about cars. We're going to get a two-for-one tire deal out of this guy, right? We'll get him a smaller tire. But what had happened is, is the tires wore down really, really quick because they weren't the right tires. Right? I was out of alignment, but what happened is I was riding on tires that were too narrow. They weren't meant for the job that was supposed to happen. They were doing more than they were supposed to. And the moment it got out of alignment, it began to wear down. It began to get destroyed. I think the truth is a lot of us, we do this with our life. There's a lot of us who are, our lives are a lot like this. We have this constant pull to do more, to do more and more and more, more than we were ever supposed to do. And then it wears us down. And the moment we get out of alignment, which can happen in life, the moment we get out of alignment, it does destruction. It does I think a lot of us, we live in this, this constant pull. Our culture tells us this, right? Our, our culture tells us to, to spend more, to do more, to work more, to accomplish more, to have more, 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 more. And it builds up and it builds up. And we do so and we pack everything in that we have no room for air. We live lives without margin. And just like when my car was out of alignment, just like when my car didn't have the right size tires, when they were doing more than it did, it pulls away from the center. It pulls away from, from what healthy looks like. I think a lot of times in our lives, we're pulling away from what healthy looks like. We're getting off of our life. We're doing more than we're supposed to do. And we're moving away from seeking his kingdom. We're moving away from seeking his righteousness. And it begins to build up and put pressure. And the truth is, I think a lot of us, it stems from our schedules. So today I want to talk about how we can have margin in our schedules. How we can have margin in our calendars. How we can have margins with our time. I mean, think about it. How many of us really live with margin in our calendar, right? Raise your hand right now if you don't have enough to do, if you're not busy enough, if you want something to do. All right, directors write their names down. Okay, nobody actually wrote their names down besides two people who are lying in church. So if our tech goes out and our sound goes out, our sound guy, Eric, is the corporate to that because he's the one who lied about being not busy enough, right? I know his schedule, right? Listen, none of us, we, we live a life where we pack things in. We continue just to push so much more in and we keep loading things up. Now I have a rule. I have a rule for our house with like material items and with things that come into our house. The rule is if something comes in, two things must go out. And this rule really gathered because my wife is a trash picker. She's a trash digger. I'm just, just throw it out there. If you ever wondered like, man, if I throw something on the side of the road and then it's gone in two hours, like how did that happen? It happened because my wife drove my truck that day, right? Because that's, that's things that just come in. And there's times where there will be a table that comes in and she's like, oh, I'm going to redo this. So I'm like, okay, that's great. You can redo that, but a table and a chair have to go now, right? One thing comes in, two things go out. And to be honest, this isn't one of those battles. Sometimes I back away from this battle with my wife. It's not one that I always pick. And it's one of those battles that I really should have in my life, and especially with my calendar, my time, but I don't, right? It's not like I do this with my, my calendar. When something comes in, it's not like I replace it. I actually just add it on top. And I, I add it to what's going on. I jam-pack my schedule. And I think for many of us, for honest, that's where we live. How we live with a schedule so packed that we can't enjoy anything because we're trying to do everything. Right? We're trying to be everything to everyone. We're trying to please everyone. 
We're trying to say yes to everyone. And what we think it is, we think it places value on our lives. The truth is, I think too many times, I think we confuse busyness with me. I think we confuse busyness with purpose. I've said it before, but if the devil can't make you sin, he's going to make you sin. He's the author of deceit, and he uses tactics as a distraction to do it. And he'll load up our calendar with so many things to get us really off of what really matters. So he uses different tactics to get us away from, from what truly matters and to take our focus on. Because the truth is, there's some things in our schedule that we need to avoid. Right? There's some times that we need to, to say no in our calendars. And when we don't, when we say yes to everything, it leads to worry, it leads to stress, it leads to anger, it leads to resentment, it leads to burnout, it leads us to living on the edge, and it leads us to, to really pushing us to shutting down, to collapse, and even. I don't know about you, but I make irrational decisions when I'm out. I make irrational decisions when my calendar is so filled up that I can't think straight. I think a lot of us, I think a lot of us make some terrible decisions all because we don't have margin. All because we don't have margin. In our time. And we make some foolish decisions. But this isn't what God wants. Like, this isn't how God wants us to live. God wants us to live with margin. And He wants us to live with some breathing. And He wants us to really operate with wisdom. This is why scripture says in Psalms 90 12, it says this. Again, if you don't have a Bible, I challenge you to download the YouVersion Bible app. It's just an incredible resource to take with you wherever you go. That way you can read your Bible every single day. But in the Psalms, and again, the Psalms are they're a collection of writings, they're a collection of, of really some. Some um, authors really just getting real about God. The Psalms are incredible. You can go through it. You can read about it. And there's some people that are really just angry at God. They're complaining against God. And listen, there's some times we just need to get real complaining with God about, about what's going on so he can get real with us to show him what's really happening. Then the Psalms are a great, a great collection of, of, of really praises of God. But then there's also some really life lessons. And in Psalms 90.12, this is a life lesson. It says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart. Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart. Listen, this is a biblical truth that we need to grasp. We need to number our days. We need to know how much time we have. We need to know what to do so we can make wise choices. And we need to apply this concept to our schedule. Because when we do, it makes all the difference. In fact, there's a secular study that even shows this truth as well. There's an article entitled, Do This 10-Second Math Problem and You'll Never Procrastinate. It was in the, uh, the Men's Health Magazine. And what it did is show there's researchers from the University of Southern California. And these researchers uh, took two groups of people, two groups of people, and really taught them uh, when to start saving for retirement. And they gave them years versus days. One group of people, they told them that there was 18 years that you have to save to retirement. Then the other group of people, they broke it down into days and said you have 6,570 days until retirement. And the result of it is crazy. The people who were in the days and the group with the days, they all planned, they all planned for retirement and to start saving for retirement four times sooner than the people who just knew. And we need to break things down and we need to know our days. We need to number our days because it allows us to make wise decisions. And it's biblical. Number your days because when we do, we'll gain a heart of wisdom. Imagine making wise choices in our time. Imagine making wise choices in our life. Imagine the amount of stress. Imagine how much stress would actually decrease if we made wise choices with our time. Imagine how much more organized we could be. Imagine what if in life, if what if we faced the issues that we really needed to face? Instead of just saying yes to certain things, what if we said no to certain things? Imagine what would happen. And what would it look like if we lived a life online with God? 
And what it would look like, what would it look like if we lived a life where we were rolling on tires that were actually meant for us? Not tires that are too small, but we are actually living on tires and rolling on tires and making choices based on how much we can handle. We weren't pushing everything to the edge. We weren't living in exhaustion. Imagine filling your schedule with what really matters, not just filling your schedule. Imagine if, if our schedules and our calendars, if they represented really truly seeking his kingdom and seeking his righteousness. Think about what that would look like. We would experience margin. And this is what God wants us to experience. So here's what I want us to walk away with. Here's what I want us to leave. Because our time is limited, we must limit what we do with our time. Because our time is limited, we must limit what we do with our time. Which means that we need to be good stewards of our time. We have to look over what we do with our time. There's some places in in our lives and that we really just need to look at and we need to slow down. And here's the crazy thing. When I say steward your time, I really mean steward your sleep. I mean, again, if you number your days, that means we only have a certain amount of time each day. We only have a certain amount of days for our lives, right? We only have a certain amount of time. So really, we have to steward what we do. We have to look over what we do in that time. Each day, we're only given 24 hours, and that's it. It's limited to that. But what we do with those 24 hours is up to us. How we manage ourselves each and every day is up. It's our choice. And it's our decision to fill it with meaningless items that lead to stress, that lead to worry, that lead to us living on the edge, or it's our decision to really focus in on what really matters. And to be because our time is limited, we must limit what we do with our time. And here's really how we do that. Here's how, we, here's how we limit our time in a way that focuses in on God. Here's how we limit our time in a way that seeks his kingdom and seeks his righteousness. We follow the words of Paul in the letter to the church of the Ephesus. It's laid out in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. So if you would, you can turn your Bibles with me there to Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. And just a little background on this passage of Scripture and a little background on Paul. Paul's a guy who, who really lived a life that was completely out of alignment. He lived a life that, where he was really against everything that Jesus stood for. In fact, he was trying to stop the words of Jesus. He's trying to stop the message of Jesus. And then when, even on the way to trying to stop the message of Jesus in a town called Damascus, God shows up blinds him, and he has this encounter with Jesus that changes his life. Right? Here's Paul, and he realizes that Jesus, he realizes that Jesus is the Messiah. He realizes that Jesus is the one that, that can only get us to God. He's realized that Jesus lived a perfect life, died on a cross, and was risen again. So then Paul, all of a sudden, realizes this. He shifts, and he goes in and becomes completely aligned with Jesus, and then changes everything and focuses on sharing the love of Jesus, sharing that with others. Right, And he, he begins to plant churches and build churches, and really his letter are, letters are these uh, letters to the churches that he started. And Ephesians is one of these. And he says this in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, talking about how we should live. He says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So for us to put some margin in our schedules, for us to, to really limit our time, what we have to do is, number one, we have to be careful. We have to be careful with our time. We have to be careful in our life. I mean, think about it. how many of us are actually careful with our schedule. If we're honest with ourselves, how many of us could actually admit and say we're really careful with our schedule? I know there's times for me when, I, when I'll put something on my calendar and I don't even look at it. I'll just say yes to something without really even looking at my calendar. And I'll commit to something without even actually talking to my wife first. And I'll commit to these things and it comes back and it, trust me, it backfires, right? Right, it backfires. I think a lot of us, we do this. We're not careful with our time because we want to say yes, because we want to please others, because we're people pleasers. Right? I think a lot of us do this. But I want to challenge this. 
I want to challenge us to be careful. Again, verse 15 says, be very careful how you live. Be careful how you live. Live in a way, schedule in a way, counter in a way that avoids any potential danger. Right? Counter in a way that avoids mishaps. Be careful. Understand this. Guarding your life, guarding your time is guarding your life. That's how important our time is. We need to guard it. Because guarding your time is guarding your life. So I want to challenge you to be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. And again, in verse 17, it jumps down and says, do not be foolish. And this means that we have to be careful. It means that we have to think through decisions, things that we have to think through commitments before we make. So I want to challenge us to ask this question. Is it the wise thing to do? Another preacher named Andy Stanley, he, he challenges us to, and in one of his books, he challenges us, just really says that this is the greatest question we can ask. Is it the wise thing to do? Right, so this week in your calendar, this week when it comes to your schedule, I want you to ask yourself, is it the wise thing to do? Right, ask yourself, can I take this on? Should I take this on? Is it wise? Right, if I take this on, is it, is it truly seeking his kingdom? Does it fall in line with seeking his kingdom? If I take this on, does it fall in line with seeking after his righteousness? Is it wise? It isn't loving God. Is it loving others? Is it wise? Is it the wise thing? Before we take anything, before we add anything to our counters, before we add anything to our schedules, I want you to ask yourself, is it the wise thing? In fact, maybe even go a step further. If you have a counter, if you don't have a counter, maybe you should start keeping a counter. But if you don't have a counter, if you have a counter, if you have an agenda or something of just some, a list of what you do each and every week, write it down and then go through each one and ask, is it the wise thing? If we want to experience God, if we want to experience margin in our life and our schedules, we need to ask ourselves, is it the wise thing to do? We need to be careful. And then number two, we need to make the most of every opportunity. And if it's on your calendar, if it's on your schedule, if you actually thought through it, if you're actually careful, if you ask yourself, is it the wise thing to do, then make the most of it, right? Verse 16 says, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. There's some things that we need to enjoy life. There's some things that we need to be excited about. Right? And if we were careful about it, if we asked ourselves these questions, if we thought through it, then we don't need to feel bad about it, but we need to enjoy it. Make the most of every opportunity. And now what I find really interesting is this last part of this verse. It says, because the days are evil. Here's the truth I think we can stay away from. This. Here's the truth we can take. Satan wants to steal our joy. Right? That's what he's in the business of. He wants to steal our joy. And he'll do anything to do it. He'll make our days evil if we're not careful. He'll make us second guess ourselves if we're not careful. He'll make us, he'll make us second guess everything we do. He wants to steal our joy and he targets our time. He targets our schedule. And if we're not careful, he can fill it with things other than what we're really supposed to do. He can fill it with things other than seeking his kingdom. He can fill it with things other than, than seeking God's righteousness, right? He's the master of deceit. And the truth is, there's a lot of times, there's a lot of times that he puts things in our life that may look like an opportunity. That may be disguised in as an opportunity, but they're not truly what God wants for us. So to make the most of every opportunity, we have to be able to, to distinguish between what is God's opportunity for us and what's disguised by sin. And then we need to say no. We need to say no to the things disguised as an opportunity. Right? We need to be able to say no so that we could say yes to the bad things. We need to say no to the good things so that we can say yes to the God. Think about it in your life. What can you say no to? What are some things that are maybe disguised as an opportunity? They may even look good, but they may not be a God. They may not be the best. What are some things that you need to say no to? What are some things in your life that you need to say no to that's keeping you from seeking his kingdom and seeking his righteousness? And then how can you make the most of it? every opportunity?
how can you enjoy the things that pass them? Is it wise? Be careful. Make the most of it. And then number three is to understand the Lord's will. It says, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, this clearly is the toughest action step that we can really apply to our lives. Because I think this is a question that we all had before, right? In fact, this is like a sermon series in itself. is about God's will. It's a question that we've all asked ourselves. We've all, at one point or other, asked, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? God, what's your will for my life? God, what do you want me to do with my life? Are we, we've all asked ourselves. And we really, we want to be wise with our time. And if we're going to be wise with the time, we have to understand what his will is. And again, this can be confusing. But I think as we continue in this verse, it really starts to give us an explanation of what God's will is. In fact, if you jump with me to eight, verses 18 through 20, it talks about this. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Do not get drunk on wine. Some of you guys are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't be jumping into my life and how I live, right? But let me just, let me just point this out. God's will for your life isn't to get drunk on wine. His will for your life is to get, is to really indulge in Him. And God's will for your life isn't to be led astray where, where you're just trying to please yourself, right? Where you get caught up in all these pleasures and self-pleasures. God's will for your life isn't that because that He knows that can lead to destruction. Right? He doesn't want you to get drunk on wine. He wants you to turn to Him. He wants you to be filled with Him. Right? He doesn't want that. I look around, I, I mean, you know it, right? Right now, we're in this epidemic of substance abuse. Right? There's families being torn apart. There's families being wrecked because of substance abuse, because of people are looking for something else other than God to fill themselves. Right? Right now, you can look around. You're probably, you know somebody that's going through this right now, if not in your own family. But I don't want you to understand this. That's not God's will. God's will for your life is to be filled completely with Him. It's for you to be to, to indulge in Him. It says to be filled with the Spirit. And listen, this is what the Spirit is. This is the promise that Jesus gave each and every one of us before He was resurrected. He promised us a helper. He promised us a comforter. He promised us an encourager. He promised us these things. And God wants us to be filled with that helper, with that encourager, with that comforter, because He knows that there's times each and every day in our life where we need someone to comfort us. He knows that there's times each and every day where we need to be encouraged. And too many times people are turning to the wrong things. This is why he says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. But instead, be filled with the Spirit. Because he wants us to indulge in him. Because he's the only one that can meet the needs that each and every one of us have. We need to understand. We need to understand that that's his will. And then it continues on in verse 19. It says, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Listen, I love today. I love the fact that today was one of the day where we, we introduced a new song and it was a life change original, right? Because that's what it is. Each one of us has a song in front and inside of us. Now, Corey wrote it and it sounded amazing. We put it together. Some of us, we might not have musical talent, but there's still some things inside of us that need to get out. There's still some things that God's doing that he wants us to share with others to encourage others. In fact, we've even talked about it before as a, as a worship. What if we, what if we started worship and we actually sang to each other? So instead of like everybody lined up and looking at the screens and the music all dark, what if we turned the lights on? We are all in a circle and we actually sang to each other. Right? That's what his will is. His will is for us to sing to each other so that we encourage each other. Continues on and says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, we need to continue to be thanking God for what the prayer request and the, and the praise reports are, are amazing. And today it was just, it was amazing to see that God's bigger than cancer. 
It's amazing to see that God's bigger than, than a growth on our body. It's amazing to see that God can heal people. And listen, if he can do it for somebody, he can do it for you. Maybe you're here today and you're questioning God. Listen, we need to encourage each other. The fact that he's working in someone else's life means that he can do it for you as well. But we need to know it's in his time. We need to encourage one another. And this is what church is. And this is his will. His will for us is to seek him, to indulge in him, and then to encourage one another. Again, if you look at it, there's a reason why we sing before we even start preaching. Because it's an encouragement. I don't know about you, but I was fired up. I didn't even need to preach. I felt like church was good today. If worship was great, you walk out and you say, I got it, right? It was encouraging. There's a reason why when we got this building, we put a wall in the back there. Because we wanted a foyer and a space back there where, where people could hang out, where people could talk. Some of people would think it's crazy, right? We're going to two services, we're packed out, and you're thinking like, well, you could just easily make more room. But no, what we want to do is we want to create a space where people can encourage one another. There's a reason I talk about life groups every single week. When we're launching them in September. We want you to get involved. We want you to do life with each other. This is what it's out. This is his will. We need to understand. So think about it. Do you understand his will? And does your calendar reflect? Is there time set aside where you're encouraging one another? Is there time set aside where you're seeking after God? Right? Again, it boils down to seeking his kingdom and seeking his righteousness. It boils down to, to loving people and to loving God. And we need to schedule. We need to calendar. And we need to understand this and live it out. Because anything else is a waste of time. Because our time is limited, we must limit what we do. So think about it. What are you spending your time and energy Are you spending it on stuff that really matters? Are you spending it on stuff that, that keeps you aligned with God? Are you being careful with it? Are you making the most of every opportunity? Are you are you truly understanding what is going on? Are you throwing those stuff? Are you missing out on the good that God has right now? So I want to finish with just a, a story. I'm going to close with a story about this man. It's a true story about a man who sat at a metro station in uh, in Washington, D.C. And he began to play his violin. It was a cold January morning. And this guy played six pieces from Bach for about 45 minutes. He's in this metro station. And during the time he was playing, it was rush hour. So there was thousands and thousands of people that went through this station. Most of them on their way to work. Most of them on, on the way to a meeting. Just really just kind of busy. This man began to play. And three minutes went by before anybody even stopped to notice that he was playing. Three minutes went by. And then this middle-aged man stopped and noticed. But then all of a sudden he had to looked at his watch and continued and just kind of hurried on. Then next, there's another person who kind of slowed their pace and just dropped a dollar in. It was their first tip, dropped, dropped a dollar in, but really didn't, really didn't slow down to see. Then a little bit later, there was another person that, that stopped, leaned against the wall, but then quickly continued. Then a little bit later, there's a three-year-old boy that stopped and, and, and began to watch. Soon after, his mom looked at him and said, you know what, it's time to go. we got to get involved. Continued on. And this happened over and over again for this 45 minutes. Nobody was really stopped enough. Nobody really took the time. In fact, there's only six people that even slowed down. When he finished playing, the silence took over. There was no applause. No one really even noticed. There's no recognition. What's crazy is, though, is this musician... Went by the name of Joshua Bell. He's a violinist. He's one of the most 
famous and most and one of the best musicians in the world. And he played these intricate pieces for these 45 minutes. And what's even crazier, he's, he played this intricate pieces on a violin worth $3.5 million. But nobody knows. In fact, two days before, two days before he was playing in the subway, he sold out a theater in Boston where the average seats went for 100 This is a real story. It's organized by the Washington Post. But when I hear this story, I think there's a lot of times that we do this in a there's a lot of times that God has some incredible things. There's some things going around us that, that we may not notice because we're so packed, because we're so full. And what we're doing is we're overlooking the beauty that he puts in our life. We're overlooking the, the blessings that he's put in each and every one of our lives because we're too, because we're too busy. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to slow down. I want to challenge you to be careful. Make the most of every opportunity. And I want you to understand this. When we truly seek his kingdom, when we truly seek his righteousness, the crazy thing is, is that we'll find it. We'll find his kingdom. We'll find the value in others. We'll find the value in him. We'll find the value that he's placed in us. If you would pull out your response card and see that. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you've been searching for something else. You've been seeking for something else and filling your time, filling your calendar with things that really that are really meaningless, that have left you feeling exhausted, that have left you feeling worn down. Maybe you're here today and you want to change that. Maybe you've gone through a season like that where, where you sought after things that, that weren't necessarily of God and now it's time to come back. It's time to make a commitment back to Jesus. Listen, God loved us so much that he gave his son for each and every one of us. And he wants us to live a life where we can experience his mercy, where he can experience his grace. And if you're here today and you've never made a commitment to follow Jesus, you've never experienced that, I want to give you that opportunity. On that response card, on that connect card, there's a, there's a checkmark box that says, I want to make a commitment to follow Christ. If that's you, I want you to simply checkmark that box. Checkmark that box and then begin to, begin to realize that, that God loved you so much that he gave us something. Accept him. Accept him as your Lord and Savior. Receive his forgiveness. Listen, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing that you've done that can keep you from it. I want to challenge you to make that commitment, to seek his will, to seek his righteousness, and to commit to him. Maybe here today, maybe your time has just been a little bit off. Maybe you made that choice to, to follow Christ, but, but you've kind of you've steered a different way. You've got a little bit out of alignment. And God's telling you it's time to be careful. It's time to make the most of every opportunity. And it's time to understand his will. Maybe God's asking you something specifically with that. Whatever it is, write that down and begin to live that out. There's also a place for prayer requests as well. If you would take this moment to fill that connection card out. And listen, this is what we ask. If you're a first time guest, we ask that you fill that out completely. And then we actually want you to take it to our Connect Center, which is right behind that wall right there. Take your connection card to the to the Connect Center if you're a first time guest. And we have a gift for you. If you've been here multiple times, we still want you to fill out the card. Because this is our way to track with you. This is our way to know that you're here. This is our way to, to really know what you're going through, how we can pray with you as well. So if you've been here multiple times, we still ask that you fill that card out. You can simply put your name and your, and your cell phone number on there, what you're going through, and then just put it in the offering box, and then we'll pray with you, in, and we'll walk with you as well. But if you would, take this moment to fill that out and to fill out any tithes or offerings, and I'll be up in just a moment to explain the message.